This is the official podcast of the 122nd Fighter Wing. Views and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of the 122nd Fighter Wing, Air National Guard, or United States government. No endorsement of any person or business is ever intended. Welcome back to another Black Snake Bites podcast. Your host today, Senior Master Sergeant Leslie Kaiser, First Sergeant of the Maintenance Squadron. And with us on air today, the First Sergeant Diamond Family, or shirts as we like to say. So team, this is my team. I'm super excited to do this interview with you guys today. So just wanted to go around the table and introduce yourselves. Hey, uh, Senior Master Sergeant John Coughlin. Uh, happy to be here. Married 10 years uh, to the absolute best spouse on the planet. Uh, together we're raising two sons and a beautiful daughter that uh, is doing a great job of keeping us on our toes at the moment. Militarily, uh, I enlisted in the 181st Fighter Wing in the March of 2001. Uh, I wanted to do something that I would never be able to do anywhere else, uh, so weapons loading was the ticket. I actually graduated BMT on September 9th of 2001, and September 11th was my first day to report back to base, and when I got there it was, it was on. Um, and it was so awesome to be there to experience the response. From there, you know, I went to college, deployed a couple of times, and, and then came the BRAC. The base was realigned to an intelligence wing uh, that we know it today. Um, and I elected to transfer to the 122nd Fighter Wing uh, so I could concentrate on my civilian career. Deployed a couple of more times uh, with weapons. Uh, had the time of my life uh, doing an awesome job. Uh, in 2018, I was accepted uh, to fill a first sergeant billet and I've been doing that ever since. Well, my name is Evan Smith. I am uh, AMX's new first sergeant here at the 122nd. I've been in for about 10 years. I've been sitting in this position for about a year now. I started in LRS, um, Logistics Readiness Squadron, and I was part of the Traffic Management Office. So long story short, anything that comes into the base and leaves the base, that pretty much was what, uh, what I did in the Traffic Management Office. A little about myself, um, I have a lovely wife uh, coming up on five years here. No kids yet, but we have a giant Maine Coon cat. So to all the Harry Potter fans out there, if you watch Harry Potter and you know what a Maine Coon cat is, so it's a, it's a really big cat. Awesome. Master Sergeant Brian Jennings here. Um, I started out my military experience in 1988. I started out, I'm actually a retread from the Army. Um, so I started out active duty Army and was a Airborne artilleryman for my first uh, two enlistments. Got out when I ETS from the Army and used my uh, GI Bill benefits and went to college and finished my college degree and heard about the uh, Air Guard at that time and eventually I came to my senses and and uh, got <laughs> got got enlisted and since I've been enlisted I was a jet engine mechanic and was approached about being a first sergeant. And the second time I was approached about being a first sergeant, I was like, you know, you know, maybe maybe this is a, be a good fit for me. You know, I'm very interested in that. Became the mission support group first sergeant in 2018, and great uh, time being a first sergeant. I love my job. Been overseas six times, so I've had some great experiences, and I've basically deployed every three years of my military career. Glad to be here. And wow. The time between all of us, not only being a diamond, but just being in the military in general is impressive. Thank you so much for your time today and for joining us on the podcast. 
So where do shirts come from? Like, what's our history? What's our legacy? The, the roots of the first sergeant go all the way back to 1775. A Prussian military officer was involved in several European conflicts in the mid-1700s. He came through Benjamin Franklin, who was the ambassador to France at the time. Uh, so he, he came to advise and assist General Washington uh, during the American Revolution. Uh, long story short, uh, he ended up posted at Valley Forge. There were 12,000 soldiers there. The, the camp was in complete disarray, and there was no none of the order that you would expect in a professional military organization. And, and the troops were essentially militia that had little to no uh, formal training. He worked to organize and train a select group of the most senior uh, non-commissioned officers into an organized unit. They standardized the size of a step, uh, the cadence of a march or a quick step. They made standards for what every single person was supposed to do whenever they initiated a maneuver like left flank, right face, that type of thing. Proficiency in reloading their muskets. That team of NCOs, uh, after they were trained, were then dispersed among the, re the rest of the regiments and charged with training the rest of the men to that standard. The Baron was named the Inspector General, and a lot of his work is still recognized in influencing our methods today. First Sergeant at that time was simply the senior enlisted sergeant in the company, because there were only, I believe, three sergeants authorized per company. So it kind of went by seniority. And that's uh, where the moniker top yep. came from. The term first shirt goes a little bit farther than that. West, in protecting the frontier, supplies and replacement uniforms and things like that were scarce, not always of the best quality. It became the first sergeant's job to inspect uh, the new uniforms when they came in. And once he finished his inspection and accepted the supplies on behalf of his men, he was awarded the first shirt. Beyond that, uh, the diamond device uh, came into existence in 1847 in the Continental Army, and that's uh, where we begin uh, the modernization. With all that history, a creed came about. I am a first sergeant. My job is people. Everyone is my business. I dedicate my time and energy to their needs, their health, morale, discipline, and welfare. I grow in strength by strengthening my people. My job is done in faith. My people build my faith. The Air Force is my life. I share it with my people. I believe in the Air Force goal. We take care of our own. My job is people. Everyone is my business. I mean, guys, listening to, to our legacy, our heritage, and how this has all come into play, that's a tall order to live by. I don't know about you guys, but I just I got some goosebumps just rereading that. Sergeant Smith, can you, can you personally describe what the creed means to you when you hear that again? What that means to me is, like you said, it, it gives me goosebumps. Our, uh, our people is business, and honestly, that's the, that's the bottom line. Um, it's, it's quite simple, but at the same time, it's, it's very difficult. What I like to think about it is, like I said, people is our business, and people is our mission um, for that sake right there. Everybody else's profession in the Air Force, their job is to keep uh, the airmen flying, the planes flying, wrenches turning, and just keep the planes in the air. Our job as a people person is to keep those airmen in the air so that they can do their job uh, effectively so that they don't have any issues for what, whatever might come about. I'm a, uh, I'm a civilian firefighter, and I quickly learned that helping people is what I love to do. 
to me, being a first sergeant, this is the perfect spot for me to not only help airmen, but to help uh, further my ambitions to be a better leader. And I can take that back to the firehouse and it, uh, it just kind of encompasses everything. So like you yeah. said, it gives me goosebumps and uh, I, I love doing this every day. So I agree with what you said, Evan. I think being a first sergeant is, it's a lifestyle. We don't have normal banker's hours. I mean, you listen to our creed and history, but speaking for me as a shirt, love this lifestyle. We've n- I've never been part of a more helpful, caring, responsive group of people or individuals that want to do so much for our airmen, meaning big A, all of our airmen that are enlisted in officers. I mean, almost to a fault. I know my family's fussed at me a few times being on my phone or computer and, and maybe doing too much in their eyes. But when I think about it, I don't mind the service I'm providing to someone that needs it. We see people on their best and worst days. And if I get to be part of either one of those, it's the privilege and honor is actually mine. Absolutely. I mean, our, our listeners couldn't see it, but when he was reading, or when you were reading the first Sergeant Creed, I was standing at attention. And I, <laughs> I, just can't, I just can't help it. Yeah. I love my job so much. I, I tell people that the day I got off the bus when I joined the military, I looked over and I saw a building and on, painted on the side of the building. It said, Mission First People Always. And that just stuck with me 30-whatever years ago. And um, Mission First plus, you know, the core values on top of that, you know, integrity for service before self and excellence in all we do. I mean, right. it just all wraps up into that simple, that's those simple messages. Yeah, and, I agree. And we just live by that. So, I mean, we say all that, right? But we still have to have boundaries too. My family's fussed at me before. We've had similar conversations. Maybe you'll never get to witness those because we, at a fault, want to take care of everyone. But we have boundaries. Remain neutral, advise our leadership. But everyone is our business, right? And so let's talk about a little bit what is a first sergeant and what is it not? The first sergeant is a, is a principal advisor to the commander on, on the enlisted force. Whatever issue may exist, they, they need to know about it. Uh, commander's job is to command, and they do that based on their strategic vision, their, uh, their initiatives, and, and the information that they have at the time. Uh, ability to keep them informed on these matters helps greatly ensuring that he can put forth or that they can put forth the best possible decisions. Yeah. Right, absolutely. Like we always say, you know, we, we keep our finger on the pulse for the commander to help them to carry out their intentions and their visions. As right. I feel like as a council, as a whole, we take information, confidentiality, very serious. It's a need to know basis. You know, complete transparency. Uh, I'm, I'm not the expert on everything and a lot of times I have to seek uh, the counsel of several uh, SMEs or subject matter experts uh, throughout the wing um, whatever's appropriate at the time uh, or bring it before my fellow diamonds who may have faced a similar situation before that's necessary for me to give the best quality answer the best quality feedback to the airman uh, or to the commander absolutely talking about what we're not as well along those same lines is you know, we're not the hammer of justice. Right. Um, you know, we, we, we joke, joke and we say all the time, like, we're the first sergeant, but we're not the only sergeant. You know, many times people come to us with uh, wanting something done, take action on this. We're the first sergeant, not the only sergeant. You know, other people can handle business as NCOs. Right. We don't have to handle everything. I think that's an important standard 
uh, that we live and operate by when we keep ourselves in check with our history our creed the intent of our leadership and vision of the Air Force we have that Air Force standard period and dot and that's the standard we want to uphold and maintain yeah. yes it can be kind of easy to do right hey the the first sergeant's in charge of morale let, let's let them plan the family day or or whatever and you know we we're happy to help we're happy to advise Absolutely. but but shouldering the load of, of significant additional duties or taking on very large projects like that on a permanent basis takes us away from our primary mission exactly of being a being a sound advice uh, sound advisor to the commander and and being available for our airmen I agree as a shirt we operate on a unique team of leadership called the triad and I feel like currently the triad's a buzzword, but I think it's we're trying to get the message out there of what the triad actually is on a strategic level. And Chief Hoop talked about it in the third podcast in the triad, but he talked about it from the chief position. And the chief's panel will talk about it from their position. So as a shirt, let's talk about it from our position. Well, the, the first sergeant brings a unique and outside perspective uh, to the triad. We don't serve in the squadron that we came from and and that's by design it's it's so that that we can offer in, in my instance uh the perspective of a maintainer uh in, in, a, in a non-maintenance squadron and the i mean the other thing is that our our focus is is the people no matter how much i may agree or disagree with whatever idea is being floated or, or whatever conversation is being discussed I have to kind of put that out of my mind and think about how it's going to affect the people and from that perspective uh, give the best advice that I can craft. Right. I would totally agree. I believe that we're the commander's right hand. Understanding the triad, uh, the, you've got to understand that the chief is more mission focused and we kind of fall under more of the people like, like Sergeant Coughlin said. I agree. It's a unique balance to make sure you don't miss out on a perspective that you need as a commander to make the most informed decision. I kind of like to think of myself kind of as the uh, commanders and chiefs blind spots too. Like you said, they hit on a very strategic note in that we focus more on the people and not that we can't play a role in the strategic value of the mission. But like you said, we, we have to be there for the people and our fingers, our eyes and ears, we're on, we, on, the, we're pulse. on the pulse of the squadron more than more than anything else, for Absolutely. sure. It's such a cool legacy that's been before us and that is actually going to be after us, and we get to be in that little part of it, the foundation that's been set and what we can continue to uphold and then make sure we are mentoring and guiding for future shirts to come in because we are that standard for them. Part of this interview, I got to reach out to airmen on base. They got to ask the questions that they wanted us to answer. Hey, shirt, you got a minute? <laughs> How does that sound? Is that so familiar? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you never know it's going to come through your door on a phone, a text, or what you see on social media. So the biggest question I received, actually, from a few different people is, for a drill status guardsman, one week in a month, essentially two weeks a year, what is the average tempo you would say is your drill weekend and your outside drill weekend. What challenges do you face as a guardsman being in such a pivotal role? I'll, I'll, get, I'll give the we legal answer. We must run around ragged or something, and that's <laughs> why I literally got asked this question like three or four times. So 
JC, give it to uh, us. I'll, I'll give the legal answer. It, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Uh, yeah. I, I pretty regularly work in between drills um, as needed uh, to stay in tune with command. Sure. Um, uh, in order to be relevant, I've got to know what's going on, and that takes calling into staff meetings and, and having regular sync-up conversations uh, with folks. And personally, I'm, I'm not local to the base. My response to a situation you know, where where an immediate physical response would be needed, I'd, I'd call on the council for assistance, and, and that's what we're here for. And, and Tempo-wise, I mean, I don't necessarily like to read regs in my off time, uh, but you're never going to find a chance to do it during the drill weekend. So as I was uh, not more than a couple of weeks ago sitting on the couch, thumbing through 650-something pages of the new 2903 update. Ouch. Uh, uh uh, Cheyenne comes over and she's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, the "Oh," and I was like, "Oh, you know, a neck tattoo can can be no more than one inch in diameter on a vertical line drawn from the earlobe down to the collar, you know." And she's like, "Why are you doing that?" I've got to be up to date on all of this information uh, so that I can provide feedback for our local supplement um, and and understand what's going on. Yeah, I think uh, such a pivotal role being a weekender is the in the tempo is the volume, the amount of people you have, but not necessarily personally for me, but what the member has going on, each situation for them is just a little different and unique, and none of them are the same. And so time, time is a tempo for right. me. Like time can be the biggest challenge for me. Yeah, I, I, I would speak in averages. Uh, I probably average a few hours a week. Um, doing first art and stuff and then for the year six weeks easy I take off from my civilian job to do military time as a first sergeant right easy and we don't say that as like it's too much it's overwhelming it's not enough it has its ebbs and flows but again it's a lifestyle and we're compensated in other ways that we are able to take care of ourselves and how our team takes care of each of us I think is unique as well they realize that and see that DSG first sergeant I like to talk in averages. I spend a few hours a week uh, on first sergeant research, taking calls, emails, and uh, you've really got to stay in touch with your triad and anyone really that needs you from your units, and that's just part of the job. And you know that going in, you know, we're pretty clear about candidates that apply for first sergeant duty. It's not canned into a one weekend a month situation like maybe they were used to in the regular AFSC that they came from. Yeah. And then when you're on the run on duty, you get the, hey, sure, got a minute. Sometimes you got to tell them, like, hey, I need you to walk with me because yeah. I'm on the move and, you know, and you don't want to ever leave them hanging. But, hey, you're going to have to walk with me. Tell me what, what's your problem? How can I help you? I agree. Yeah. What do you think one piece of advice is you wish you would have known as a young, young airman that you could have now and you would have had it sooner if someone would have given you that piece of advice? I know for me personally – Get and be ready for more. And it's almost a mindset, you know, intentionally schedule time for yourself, but then get and be ready for more because you get stretched pretty thin in general. And then you add people onto your plate and it's a good problem to have. You just have to remember how to help them carry the load. So you're not carrying it alone. You're helping them. I would tell young airmen, as I've been told, and I try to repeat it as much as I can is don't be the reason why you don't advance. If there's something that's in you're in control of, like your education and getting your skill training done, stay on top of it, get it done as soon as you can, because that's something you have control of. And 
So that's what I tell all young airmen. That's what I would tell myself again. Yeah. Exactly. The younger me. Opportunity happens. Right. You need to be ready. And you need to be ready. What's an important skill you need to have to build relationships with people and being a key leader? I believe that the most important skill you can have is to uh, just be a good listener to the airmen. There's several other skills that you can have out there, don't get me wrong, but I think me personally, it's just uh, being a good listener. Um, it's so crucial for our jobs and that you know we have to be the bridge between our commanders and our airmen. So there's nothing wrong with the administration work, but uh, just to be a good listener, this isn't the job that you have to have to, to be sitting at a desk all day. Uh, again, emails are very important, you gotta check them. Uh, our job is people, and uh, we just we just got to get out there and we got to talk to them. Right. So um, you can't talk to them behind um, you can't talk to them really behind a desk. You got to get out there. You got to if if they're out there loading bombs on the bomb rack underneath an A10, that's where you got to be out there with them. Um, right. You got to be visible to them. You got to be accessible to them. That's uh, you know the important skills uh, being able to build relationships with people and being able to engage with anyone. Because as a leader or as a first sergeant, you're going to have to be able to talk to a general or an E1 and anything in between. Open-mindedness and empathy because everyone carries biases and you need to try to set things aside as best you can when, when, you're, when you're engaging with people because you don't know what kind of day they had. You don't know what's going on in their life and what, what they might be dealing with. You don't know what's in their book bag, what mm -hmm. they're carrying around. You don't know. You're Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. So with that being said, we touch a lot of people, and in turn, um, they affect us as well. But who's our boss? Who does our evaluations? Who? <laughs> where do we get our ratings from, right? So who's our boss? Yeah. We report directly to the commander of which we're assigned. Right. They That's do right. our evaluations. And they the do. the commander above that commander. Right. So in your opinion, what is unique about the first sergeant position? Oh, wow. Whoever, whatever airman asked that question, that's a, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. Honestly, there's a lot about it. But if I could pick just one, I would say uh, we kind of hit on a little bit. It's you, you really don't know what the day has in store for you. No one day is, is exactly the same as the other one. Uh, some days we walk in with a, uh, with a full schedule already with promotions, awards, and ceremonies. Um, unfortunately, maybe even a disciplinary action that we got to sit on with the commander. Again, when that phone rings um, that we had earlier, you you honestly, you have no idea what's on the other side of that line and what's about to be thrown uh, be thrown in your position. Sometimes it might be kind of like a rodeo and you're hanging on to that bull and you're just along for the ride. Right. But then, then other times it can be uh, a, li a little slower and you got more time to talk to people. But uh, that's, that's kind of what I would say. Yeah, I'll never forget in my interview to become a first sergeant. Once the nerves died down a little bit and I could actually answer the questions, one of the questions was, you just get a climate survey back doing your deox survey, an airman stops you in the hallway and is just a little off. What do you do? And there's no wrong answer, but there's a best answer. And we have a little rectangle square of knowledge in our pocket, and I can over-communicate with my team and let them know I'm going to be late. Give me the Cliff Notes version. I'm going to touch base with this person and see what's going on. And that's what I said to my interview. I don't know if that's what got me the job. I think no one else interviewed or something, but. It's it's funny you say that because a couple of days ago, I just had that situation with yeah. an airman, had a staff meeting, uh, getting ready for this exercise. And I had an airman in my office and did I need to go to that staff meeting? Absolutely. But I'm pretty sure that my commander could completely understand afterwards. Hey, I was talking with one of our airmen and they had yeah. an issue and they, 
They completely understood. And you just give them a heads up, exactly. right? I'm yeah. going to be late. Yeah. What difficulties are being experienced by our airmen currently? And how can supervisors support shirts and the airmen in resolving these issues? I think in maintenance currently is conversion. But it's no secret we're missing some birds on the ramp. We're missing some work to do, even though there's still work to do and we're getting ready and we're crossing our T's and dotting our I's and following up with everybody to get our equipment in. There is a big change going on and it's going to keep stretching us a little thinner each time. Yeah, and I also see that we need to keep all the airmen engaged uh, during the conversion when there's when there is downtime, and and also that's a time to keep them engaged in their careers, keep them excited. How do we support supervisors in that? Everything that you thought you didn't have time for, to do before, now you've got the time. You've got time. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's right. do PME. Remember when you all talked about that? Now, yeah. Now's the time to engage with that. I agree. Yeah. The, take that extra time and get to know your airmen. There's a lot of new faces around here. It's happening all the time. And, and, it, and it can be hard to keep up, especially, you know, if you're, if you're a supervisor in office trying to keep the shop running. It's, it's hard to, to find time to go out and, and, and form a relationship with every single airman. But when you do have the time, you have to make the time for them. Because if you don't have the time for that, they're not going to have the time for you. Mm -hmm. Right. That's right. What's the most impactful thing shirts can do to help with unit morale and retention? I know for me... I got new boots so I could walk around. I love a good cliche. So follow-up Friday, that's my jam. If you see me pull out my phone, I'm usually putting someone in my reminders to follow up every Friday. And it's so funny. You can literally type in Friday and boom, there's the date. I like to beat them at a card game, meet them where they're at, do what's important to them, learn about them. The first thing I was so excited about was to get a line badge so I could actually be on the flight line legal. I used to get so nervous. And now the first thing I did, give me the training, let's do this. Uh, talking about being impactful, I think one of the biggest things a shirt can, a shirt can do is addressing uh, issues swiftly. Because when airmen see you addressing things swiftly, that legitimizes you as a first sergeant, and, and it just you, you get that respect when they see that you care. Well, they may not like it, but they do realize that you care at that point. Exactly. How do first sergeants mentor others within their units? Are there specific mentorship things you do intentionally within your own units? Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, what I like to call career recovery. I like to help people if they've been through a bad patch in their career or in a, in a dark place uh, to help them pick up the pieces and yeah. uh, recover uh, their careers and also you know, people keeping them on track with their careers as well. I like to help people do that and, and it's really rewarding to see the great outcomes whenever you get to get involved with people uh, a lot of times uh, folks just assume that it's the end they don't they don't know of the other options that they have they, they're not aware of, of avenues for support or assistance and and I think that's where we come through as like a multi-tool uh, with a with a connection to all of our supporting agencies that we have on base and diversity of thought that we have within the council itself we, we put all that all that all that diamond power That's right. uh, uh, on something uh, we can usually get a pretty good outcome out of it what's the biggest thing you tell people that maybe no one listens to someone says I didn't know I didn't hear that what do we say the most that maybe someone's not hearing uh, being an older person <laughs> um, I, I see the value in, in investing early 
and I try to tell people to put more money away uh, for retirement and then also just to be smarter along the way with your money and uh, I really was selling that when I was on my last deployment I had a lot of active duty folks and uh, and I was telling them like hey you know you need to make sure you're you know doing tax-free you know, Roth and everything and just you know take advantage of this and, and I was just it was unfortunate that many of the people I talked to had no idea I try to always encourage being better financially. My thing, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. It, it's purposeful adversity and using that as a tool to facilitate your resilience in, in all the pillars, right? Working out harder than you would ever need to. To meet the standard, you need to train to exceed the standard. Is going to 100% ensure lockdown, no problem, no sweat, zero issue with that. Uh, and the same thing with the other pillars of resilience. You, you kind of covered the financial, right? There's, there's the spiritual one. A lot of folks practice uh, certain rituals of fasting and things like that to, to help improve their, their spiritual resiliency. And, and that is more important in life than you could ever imagine. Walk through issues seemingly unscathed. Right. So with everything people tell you, how do you keep it confidential? How do you store information so no one learns people's most personal details? I know for me, things are encrypted or uh, secure to a point where sometimes it takes me a second to decipher the information. Like I've secured it from myself. So that's just something I do on a personal note. I'm not going to tell you how because then you'd know the decoder. But what do you guys do differently? I mean, I, I can't remember everything, right. um, uh, and I always have my notebook with me. So I, I do take notes. I, I, I take only the necessary information to help jog my memory over what the specific stuff Absolutely. is, and, mm -hmm. and I don't uh, very often don't write all of the, the details down. Exactly. Um, but that, that notebook is, is always by my side. It's got my name on it. Yep. And we operate here in a culture of professional airmen, integrity first, and if somebody finds that with my name and the big old first sergeant diamond right on the front of it they should give it back to me and not worry about reading it yep. right i agree i'm the same way uh, old school anything i do write on paper it's it's basically in code i only write enough to jog my memory like sergeant coughlin said and only enough details and i never write names down as a new shirt what do you do for your flow um, I think I grew up watching a lot of the uh, the older folks around here. Um, it seems like everybody, like you said, carries around a notebook, and mm -hmm. it just kind of came off on me, too. I do write reminders in my phone, and that kind of helps as well, too. Um, my phone's a little more encrypted as opposed to a notebook, which I will say I've actually I have left my notebook around, but, you know, I don't write names and things like But uh, as opposed to that, I always try to make sure that, I say our, our office doors are always open if someone wants to talk, but I have to make sure that if someone does come in, you know, make sure if you have anything on your desk or emails open, things like that, I just got to make sure I put that aside, black right. out the screen as, as right. quick as I can so someone can't yep. come in and, and, and look at that type of information. And, and if anybody spends any time around us as first sergeants, we like speaking code. You know, it's like, hey, I the agree. thing? The thing, you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm on there. I'm on the thing. Yeah, you ready? Yeah, we're ready for that thing. And it could have been a retirement party. It could, it right? could be anything. We're just so <laughs> used to We're code. so used to speaking in code that right. it, that's just the way we talk to each other a lot of times. And people probably are like, what are they talking you gotta about? you got to be part of the diamond you crew. Gotta mm -hmm. you got to know the handshake and everything. That's it's, right. You know. So what does mandatory reporter mean? So we went into a little bit of people, how airmen around the base are curious on how we operate as a team. So what does it mean 
when we say mandatory reporter. We we do trainings once a year, but specifically to Diamonds, what does it mean to be a mandatory reporter? I mean, as a, as a member of command, we're we're obligated by law to report illegal activity and admission of crimes and things like that. We I actually carry around a a, a rights advisement card. So that I can, so I've I've got that on tap, and and depending on where the the, the conversation may be going with with an individual, you've got to sometimes just be like, what? Hold on a second. I Damn got it. I got one in my truck in the the visor just just yep. in case. Yep. Well, and that point is to protect them too. Mm-hmm. They right. are lawfully allowed and constitutionally required that we are trained to know their rights to empower them. Exactly. So it's our job, no different than a police officer, to reveal ourselves. We have to reveal that information to them. And with that said, we remain approachable if we stop someone. Like, hey, just pause for a second. Theoretically, if this was this a type of topic, that's where we can possibly stop them there and direct them towards a helping agency, right? Um, as well. So we we always want to remain approachable. So in remaining approachable. How do first sergeants remain neutral? We all come from very diverse backgrounds and we all have our different upbringings. So staying neutral can be difficult, but the fact is we we have to remain neutral as first sergeants because we can't be too quick to jump to a conclusion without having all the facts. Right. Not that we have to make the disciplinary action if it is discipline in general. It's, it's part of our jobs and to be able to advise our commanders to the best of their abilities, we have to make sure that we give them uh, we have to we give them all the information that 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 we can, and then we can easily advise them in the best course of action. I agree with that. Absolutely, yeah. we all have biases, uh, conscious and unconscious, and some of those we 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 can't just turn off. Be aware of them, and we have to attempt to mitigate them consciously, in order to make a sound decision. And, and you're exactly right. Um, you can have somebody in your office that's very highly emotionally charged that is, that is telling you things that, that make you mad or that, that make you want to go, what the heck is going on right. down there in that shop or exactly. whatever, mm-hmm. uh, at the same time to maintain your cool. Right. And, then, and then you have to work to address the other part of the situation so you can see in totality what's going on. And we operate as a team too, right? right. As needed. It's not uncommon for us to share cases due to our own very aware conscious bias. And I think that's just something unique about this team. First sergeants have lost their diamond by violating confidentiality. Oh yeah. So I think that's important. One of us, if we can't remain neutral on whatever case might be happening, we just pick up the phone and we can instantly tap another diamond like, hey, I got the situation. I, I can't remain neutral on this. Can one of you guys kind of step in for me? And I think everybody here on this panel, as well as the Sure Council, has is, is more than qualified and more than capable enough to kind of stepping in and taking that role for us. And we talk about it in advance. It's, mm-hmm. not, a, it's not a blind side of ours that we're all people too. And I really like that. So how do airmen know if they should take a concern to their supervisor or first sergeant? For that is user chain of command, but you know there might be some instances in some special cases where hey, if if you have an issue with one of your supervisors and you don't feel comfortable talking to your supervisor, no matter what that may be, you can always come to us. And I also think that hey, 
if you can settle it best in house, best in the shop, without us, that's fine. Not that we don't want to help, but hey, you know, you always want to try and solve things at the at the lowest level as quick as you can and as effectively as you can too as right. well. How do you help assist commander in your organization to meet organizational goals? I know for me personally, we will have candid conversations within the triad. We'll get together, we'll talk about the hard stuff, we'll have those hard conversations, and then we'll follow up. I think that as the commander's right hand, uh, as I spoke about before, you've got the intent and vision that you're supporting. And knowing that is uh, what you have to stay focused on yeah. as your guidelines. Your, your commander's intent is, is really a, a guiding principle. From his strategic view, it's mm-hmm. where, where they believe that we need to be at by ensuring that those goals and that vision, that intent is clearly communicated among all of the ranks so that they can have a firm understanding and grasp of what that may mean. Which gives us that deployable force for the commander. Yep. Right. How do you think that this position has improved you as an individual? We come in, well, first we get scrutinized through an interview. That's fun, by the way, (laughs) but it's worth it. We go through the interview process. We go to First Sergeant Academy, and we leave the academy with the empowerment to survive the first year. We come back to our team, and then the work begins. And for guardsmen, us doing the weekend job, we might sit in the seat in that First Sergeant billet for a few months or six before we actually go to the academy. So we've got a little time under our belt. Well, I just got back from school uh, not too long ago. So I think with this position, it gave me a new profound meaning of a little bit of confidence. I grew up from very humble origins. Um, I did play sports and I did a little bit of theater growing up. But outside of that, I was relatively pretty shy and I didn't like to really speak up, especially when I saw things out of place. Being in the, the first sergeant school, you quickly learn that you're going to, uh, you're going to be taken out of your comfort zone very, very quickly and uh, very, very often go into about any situation with the confidence knowing that I might not have all the answers but that's the beauty of this council and this panel Uh, I'm there to support that person but at the same time it's hey I might not have all the answers I'm here listening to you but the fact is I know with all the resources that we have with this council and this panel that hey um, I can go tap this person or tap this resource uh, gather that information and be able to confidently report back to that person in a timely manner, hey, this is what I got for you. Trying to over, or working to overcome my, my introversion. Um, I'm, I'm, a very, I'm a very quiet person, didn't historically people very well, overcome that to the point where I can engage just about anybody, like, like Sergeant Jennings said, sitting in the middle of a staff meeting, just trying to take notes and understand what's, gonna, what's happening, what's gonna come on uh, during the next RSD or something. And then the commander's like, sure, what you got? And seeing the big picture, mm-hmm. like when you were growing up in your AFSCs, so to speak, uh, you were very focused on whatever your job was in your shop. But when you come up to the triad level, uh, you're looking at the big picture more. And I think that's something that was, you just, you don't get that until you're in a position. And then as a first sergeant, just the experiences that you gain helping people, it just makes you just more knowledgeable as a person. I ended up in one of the, the one of the personnel regs uh, recently, and so deep, and there was math in there, and all these formulas about how they uh, come up with with manpower authorizations and how many people are supposed to do this and what it takes to do that, 
and, and the amount of information that was there. For me to be able to experience the breadth things that I never would have seen before in any other AFSC other than that particular one uh, it was a real eye-opener. I think there's a couple of unique things that we can translate from our first sergeant experience into the, our civilian jobs. Uh, human resources right off the bat. Um, I've actually been keeping track on some of our uh, Facebook first sergeant uh, pages and there's quite a few first sergeants that retire from the Air Force and they go into HR. I think on the uh, on the flip side of that is uh, just the uh, the leadership position that we're in, but just that experience and just kind of the military um, profession of arms. Uh, that experience uh, can easily uh, cross over to the civilian sector and gives us the kind of capability to do whatever we need to do. So how can others pave the road for themselves to become a first sergeant? Get your stuff done. 100% ready with your PME. Uh, staying on top of, of all of the things that you can control in life. To, to hold a position of a first sergeant is, is more than just a rank requirement or passing a test or something like that. Uh, we, have to, we have to be uh, financially stable. We have to have a stable family life. Really expect us uh, up to snuff. We're, we could have our diamond removed if we fail more than one PT test. Right. Tell somebody if you want to be a first sergeant, you've got to maintain the highest standards and seek out that education just to echo what Sergeant Coughlin said. Um, that would be the first thing I would say to someone. Uh, that's, that's, they have control of that. I kind of equate it as to, I think it's funny, we're not all the same. We all shirt how we shirt. And I love that uniqueness in all of us because together, when we come together, as a team, we make up that whole diamond perspective. What I can offer is different than what the three of you offer, but together we can give them each a point to run with, and I really like that. I think in paving the road for yourself, find people like that in your proximity area. Find people that are going to challenge you. Level up to their area and their expertise. Uh, stronger together, and that works everywhere in our military career. Anywhere in your life, actually. Stronger together. So how and why would someone want to become a first sergeant? I mean, I can speak for me personally. I wanted to become a first sergeant because I wanted to make a, a bigger impact. I had a, I had a first sergeant, my very first first sergeant, actually passed away on a motorcycle accident. And I'll never forget the words of wisdom he left with me in just our little med group in Georgia. And that just stood out to me. His dress and appearance, his mannerisms, his empathy versus sympathy, depending on what you were doing is what you got. And I just really appreciated that candor within him as an individual. And the legacy he left after his death was the most impactful one I've had to date still. And that is what I wanted to carry on. Um, to be completely honest with all of you here, like I wasn't even sure what a first sergeant was when I even first heard of the position. Uh, my first encounter with the first sergeant, not that it was bad, I honestly thought it was somebody that sits next to the commander or stands next to the commander and they read off awards. That's kind of it and they give briefings. That's honestly what I thought. They come around the building and do accountability over drill weekends and that was my only impression of a first sergeant. Um, it wasn't until somebody saw something in me, the way that I was approaching people, how I was always in a positive attitude, 
And then somebody brought me to the side and said, hey, have you ever thought about becoming a first sergeant? And I said, oh, no, I don't want to read in front of people. Absolutely not. And then they <laughs> later on then said, hey, that's not all that we do. We do, you know, we, we help people through difficult issues. Uh, we hand out promotions and ceremonies, which you do get to see, but it's a whole different career. And now here I am on a podcast right now talking to, but uh, that's just kind of my two cents on uh, what, why I became a first sergeant. I'd say why would someone want to become a first sergeant? Uh, to be an agent of change for the betterment of airmen is just, I would put that Agent out there. of change. I like agent that. Agent yeah. of change for the betterment of airmen. I mean, to me, that's what it's about. Yeah. Holding the line when it comes to standards. It, it, it's something that is, that is important enough that Chief Bass sent a letter out uh, just a few weeks ago uh, regarding a common concern of the erosion of standards. It, it, it's a hard thing to, to maintain, as, as we've all found out through the different, uh, uh, the different things that we've uh, dealt with over the years. But it's, it's, it's something that we have to uh, sometimes selectively engage on to ensure that we're working to fulfill the mission statement of the First Sergeant Council to build and maintain a mission-ready force. Do you feel pressure in your role, or do you feel it's laid back? I would say you definitely do feel the pressure. Uh, we, we have the commander's ear, and we need to be the pulse of the squadron. Our words carry weight. Words mean things. We have to remain cool, calm, and collected at all times, and we, we have to be that at our best and on our worst days. Right. A, a, a diamond is, is uh, formed under intense pressure and heat. It's what it takes to make one. That's right. Yeah. I um, call that stressful. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, diamond cutting tools are the things you use to cut things that you can't normally cut, right? Uh, so they're 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 capable of 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 making that kind of a mark. They're also a very beautiful, lustrous stone, shiny and and beautiful, and and the thing that that is is very wanted uh, in the world. It's a precious stone. So with all the pressure, our tempo, people being people, and us being part of that people concept. What's the most challenging part of our job? I thought about the, that, and the first thing I thought about was like striving to be inspirational with a limited amount of time. Uh, it's like I never have enough time to reach all the people that I'm striving to be inspirational to, yeah. and that's my challenge. Put a high standard on yourself. It's yeah. A, a drill weekend goes by way too fast. I, I never get everything done that I thought I was going to get done, um, uh, but I have to... I have to console myself uh, and, right. and, and manage my own expectations in, in helping me to, to, to realize that the impact that I made today was sufficient. So how do we cope in getting overwhelmed, getting discouraged, not getting to everything on our list when it comes to getting the job done how we want to get it done? Because we are that standard we're maintaining. How do we cope with that? That's a tall order. Remember who you're here for and press on. Yeah. That's what I tell myself. I know for me, I work out. I lean on you guys. I actually have my own first sergeant. I'm not going to divulge that to you guys. But um, most of the time, usually on a Sunday of drill weekend, I'm calling JC as well just to do a quick gut check. My husband, he gets the classified version of stuff. But for me, it's working out and talking to someone. Same. Uh, exercising all of my pillars of resilience. Um, exercise, 
quiet time helps helps calm my mind and 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 helps me cope with things uh speaking with my spouse uh, uh talking through unique situations uh like like uh, like Sergeant kaiser said in a, in a, in a classified setting right. um balancing and managing my time i got to go on a vacation every once in a while i got to disconnect every once in a while i communicate with my command team i inform my additional duty first sergeant that they have the helm uh, i inform the members of the council and we communicate collaborate uh, divide and, and and ensure that that there's coverage there's there's diamond top cover uh for every airman at all times yeah do you think the expectations of being a shirt now that you're in the seat has met reality or do you think it's it's changed you know those uh memes and gifts reality versus expectations versus reality what my mom thinks i do what my friends think i do (laughs) what i actually do the uh the the academy was such an intense bluing experience right forging the diamond uh (laughs) That, that coming back to a coming back to an international guard base where you you you're not around so many people all of the time all under the umbrella of military justice and things like that right uh, it, it is a little bit different and and I would say that the tempo is a little bit less than what I initially thought it would be I also failed to take into consideration during the academy that I have to maintain my civilian job and my family life and all of those stresses as well. And, and maintaining a, a civilian job is not something that that is is, is encountered at the academy regularly. Mm-hmm. My experiences that I brought to the table being from the Army and what a first sergeant was was more old school. And, and the way we were trained coming out of the academy is that we want, you know, we've been had a major goal to change the culture and be more approachable to, to deal with and take care of people. Uh, that was the culture change, and that was different than what I expected coming in. That's awesome you to be part of that culture change. What's the standard that our current First Sergeant Corps has at the 122nd? I like this question a lot because it made me think when I got this in, I instantly put down my phone, and I was like, oh, what's my standard? Well, I think first and foremost, faith, family, freedom, and when I keep them in that order of consistency, I don't miss something yeah i agree uh very similar maintaining my my personal standards is crucial to my performance here um if if i'm lacking in anything personally uh it it affects my performance so i i have to work to maintain those standards or work on alternative strategies in order to maintain my performance uh uh, so that so the airmen continue to get the cover that they deserve even when i'm not having uh the absolute best day I mean, we could actually just read the creed again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like that, that that just grabs it all. It's like, you know, we're diamond sharp, solid gold. And You're standing at attention again, I, Brian. Yeah, let me sit down. <laughs> one sharp rock. That's, That's right. right. One sharp rock. The the mission statement of the council, right, to, to build and maintain a mission-ready force. Right. Um, that's that's our driving principle in, in the things that, that we do as a council, and that's why we're here. So what roles and responsibilities of a first sergeant that maybe unit members are not aware of. You know, we do, we seem to be in front or really behind the scenes, right? Well, like, like Brian said earlier, we, we, we still have that reputation of being the hammer a little bit, right? right? right. We can be if the commander chooses to, to use us as the, the hammer. 
a lot of what we don't see is, or a lot of the things that you don't see that, that I didn't really think about are the big Air Force things. We're a member of the command team. We're operational. We're strategic leaders. I never once thought before about reading the National Defense Strategy. I mean, I heard about it when I became a senior NCO, and I, I may have glazed over it a time or two, but I've actually read the thing. I've had the opportunity to, to work with folks at, at, the, at the MAGCOM level uh, right. to, to meet Diamond One. Uh, we all had the opportunity to meet uh, Chief Dent, our Air National Guard right. functional manager, and, and talk with him about issues that are specific to Air National Guard first sergeants, specific to Indiana, and receive his feedback and, and give him visibility to that stuff, connect us in ways that make sense. Then I can think about being overseas in my last deployment as a first sergeant and engaging with multinational stakeholder meetings once a month. You know, it's like, never thought I'd be in that position. <laughs> it's like, if everybody could see me now, you know, <laughs> here I am. Um, you know, just stuff like that back home. A lot of people don't realize that we are actually monitoring all programs in the unit. And uh, that's something that was kind of behind the scenes. Um, we're there to kind of, there again, a mentoring role, making sure uh, programs are being carried out. Reviewing awards and decorations every once in a while yep. uh, to see how long it's been since, fo since folks have had uh, recognition. Raising that uh, to the to the supervisor so that so that they have SA on it and can make their own decisions. What do you think are some of the hardest times as a first sergeant working with with airmen on their best and worst days, and even the in between because that's just as important. You know, old saying, a death by a thousand cuts. When everything just hits at once, we are all people. Uh, we're all airmen, and unfortunately, some people do make mistakes, and you always want to be there to support that airman. I mean, again, they're an airman first. We want to be there to, to support that member, but sometimes we, we always can't save that person, unfortunately, and I know me personally, I've gone through that already as a first sergeant, and it, it's unfortunate at times because you know that that person is a good person. Yeah and you truly want the best for that person, you know, you do have to hold that person accountable and people do make mistakes right. and you just kind of have to get them through that time, whatever that outcome might be. But uh, you just, you want to be there for that person. You want to be there for that airman. Yeah, yeah. We, we talked about that at the symposium, our last one's like being there for someone's fall from grace and, you know, being there to help catch them. I know I've had a few fall from graces on my own mantle, so. I remember at you know, elementary school and, and, and things like that where I, I would often see on my, my report card uh, uh, not working to potential. Right? <laughs> oh, no. And it, and it, and it took oh, me forever. No. Like, what does that even mean? You know, I, you I didn't even understand that. <laughs> I got check minuses, and that hurts. still hurts to this day. It still hurts. Now I have, I have an understanding of that. When I see someone, when I'm talking to someone or helping somebody through a problem or an issue or a or career hiccup, and, and that, that goes through my mind, is that this person is capable of so much more. They don't see it. They don't realize it. They don't have the confidence. They don't have the, the know-how or know the right person to talk to or even think that, that it's an option mm -hmm. uh, to do. Uh, sometimes a career field change is an accelerator. Taking into consideration the, the, the totality of the, the situation, it, it's incredible the, what the outcome can be. So I think that's in general what we're hoping this uh, first sergeant panel is, is that call to conversation. What does that look like? How are we here to support you? What we do behind the scenes? 
and why we continue to do this, not only for you, for each other, as a team, as a whole, those conversations, the good and the bad. What are some of the things that we do on base to keep that conversation going? I know recently it's been brought up, what is working out with airmen look like? And we've we've thrown around a few things. There's nothing solidified yet, and it might be tailored to each unit and group and squadron, but it's out there. We love recognizing our airmen. I think that's one of the most favorite things that we do. And so that's the quarterly diamond sharp coins and making a big deal about it, all the shirts showing up. What are some other things that you guys can think of that we want to continue to have the conversation and elevate the 122nd? Yeah, all of those topics that you just mentioned were, were born out of the first sergeant's council. The council is unique in that membership and attendance is mandatory. It, it affords us an opportunity to all get together to talk about uh, the issues that are unique to us, uh, that are unique to our people, and come up with creative legal strategies to be able to do uh, and execute against some of those some of those items taking into account uh, the commander's intent so team you guys have done great thank you so much for doing this for the airmen that had the questions and also uh, maybe someone in the community hearing this and wanting to be part of the team so in closing one thing what would you tell yourself as you started down the path of becoming a first sergeant jc i'll just kick it over to you well, uh, you know, Black Snakes, uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to shirt on a little bit all of you right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we're here, we're here to fly, we're here to fight, and we're here to win. That's what we do. That's the Black Snake standard, and that's exactly what's going to happen. If you're listening to this, you're not currently a member, and you want to find out what being a member of this family is all about, come on out. I mean, I don't know if I can top that. Can you all top that? I Yeah. I'd say right. that's a that's a mic drop moment right mic there. Mic, mic drop Guys. there. Wow. Yeah, I don't think thank I can you. drop this. It's expensive. <laughs> so thank you so much for your listening in. Share the show. We want this to be the fastest growing military podcast out there, and it's because of people like you. Black Snakes, out.